Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar, an Oscar race checkpoint for you today. I am your co-host, Mike One, co-host also Mike is here as we are talking all things going on in the land of France from, I don't know, just outside France here in Connecticut, right, Just outside of it. Yeah, Yeah. we are uh, doing our duty today, our sacred duty of timing the applause timers and reviewing the reviewers. We'll Mm -hmm. see how we do. We hope to not let anybody down. We had a fast X interval, but this is the Oscar race checkpointing that you've all been waiting for this spring. And uh, yeah, we're here for it. We're ready. We're, well, I don't know if we're rested. We're not ready. We're never ready. Yeah, we're not ready. That's right. We're not ready. But we're here and we're we're talking. (laughs) Yes. So that is the important thing. Uh, We will be running down, like Mike said, the standing ovation. There's nothing more sacred in this life. Mm-hmm. in this present state of being on this planet than us letting you know the standing ovation times for these uh, various prestige film festivals. So we'll be doing that as well. We'll be uh, reviewing some of the reviews here. We will have another episode that we're going to record this weekend when the Palm is given out on Saturday that will mm-hmm. hopefully be out for you Sunday uh, to recap all the uh, finale and the pomp and circumstance that happens in the awards side of the Cannes Film Festival. Yes, I can't wait. And yeah, this is like a part one of two. I, I'm sure we'll review some reviewers because Elemental and some other movies come out right. uh, the end for the rest of the week. The the pot a fu, anyone? You what? Know, the pot on fire. <laughs> Remember the pot on fire? We we did we recover? We covered this like um uh, three weeks ago, Mike. I thought you were making that up. I was going to give you props. No, I looked up the pr- translation. I'm I'm yeah. learning French yeah. one can film festival at a time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm biting my tongue is what I'm doing, so you go ahead. <laughs> Timing the standing ovation so far. And again, thanks to Variety, Ramin Sahuda, uh, Satuda, excuse me. No, uh, you're welcome, Variety, for you, inspiring you, you to do this finally. <laughs> yes, you're welcome, uh, and we'll, we'll be the final word. Excuse yes. us. Excuse you. Yeah. Uh, Killers of the Flower Moon leads with nine minutes. Uh, on this year obviously it's a far cry from pan's labyrinth's 22 minutes but killers of the flower moon the early leader uh, i believe martin scorsese stayed awake for all nine minutes I, i can't confirm that though 22 minutes is the length of a half hour sitcom without the commercials so rather than watch an episode of Seinfeld, the crowd that year in 2001, I believe it was, decided our time would be better served standing and just clapping. Mm-hmm. And then looking at each other. Like, right. Well, they look at a sequence of spotlighted, you know, uh, talent. Yeah, they look. At, I mean, they show the like they showed Marty on the movie screen during, accepting, getting the adulation for this nine-minute standing ovation. Here's the thing: if I ever have like a night for me. Right, just like a me, like like to celebrate right. me. Like right. I don't know what that would be. Is it a birthday? Is it a you know? Do I you know, if I finally do something with myself? The uh, also Mike Film Festival, yeah, yeah. Do I? I want whoever the can spotlight orchestrator. I want to hire them to right. handle because you know. I, I mean, that's the only thing that I could rationalize here with this thing. I I want them to applaud me for twenty two mm-hmm. minutes or nine minutes. Mm-hmm. That would be fun, right? You or, just want the camera fixed. Or I think reason. I would just, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I would get embarrassed after like three minutes, and I'd be like, just, just stop, <laughs> stop, shut up, enough. Oh, it's you enough just already. Get angry, rip off your shirt. Yeah, <laughs> is like, this is Juwan motioning everyone to just sit down and just shut the hell it up. It just turns dark after the two minutes. <laughs> you start flicking off the camera. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, may, maybe that we would do that. I don't yeah. know. I, I don't know. I would, nine minutes. Too much. If they're cheering for you, though, like. Hey, believe me, there's nobody who loves themselves more than I love me. Nine <laughs> minutes of applause on a center stage is too much. <laughs> may, December got eight minutes. This was the Todd Haynes film. We'll talk about it. Firebrand, eight minutes as well. Jeanne Dubarry 
and the nature of love each got seven minutes. And this shows you what what kind of the uh, the disconnect is here because like seven minutes is no slouch for a standing ovation, but the review scores for Jean Dubarry are not great. Correct. It's so uh, they're just lying to Johnny Depp's face. It's dubious. <laughs> <laughs> Asteroid City, as of yesterday, and the Zone of Interest both got six minutes. Now, I think you're going to make a line yeah. of demarcation. Mm-hmm. And you're going to say mm-hmm. it in a minute and explain yourself. But Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, Club Zero, and The Idol, the TV show coming to Max and yeah. uh, HBO, all got five minutes. What so does this mean? It, this is something that I've noticed. It's like a line in the sand, like you said, being drawn by critics via the can audience in the standing ovation. Between if you get an above five minute standing ovation or a lower than five minute standing ovation, and it's like okay, zone of interest six minutes, right? Just the six minute standing ovation. Zach Sharp of Variety called it the first can sensation of the season. If you mm-hmm. take just a single boring minute of applause away, of nothing but applause away, you get down to Indiana Jones, which had five minutes, and its review reads, quote, the elaborate action scenes and witty one-liners delivered by Phoebe Waller-Bridge <laughs> in Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny most re- mostly received a muted response inside oh. the theater. Audience members could be heard whispering out of boredom in French. Ugh. That was Variety's Twitter account, by the way. <laughs> so I don't know who wrote that or if it's from the article itself. Or you get The Idol, which also had a five-minute review, uh, which had maybe my favorite review thus far out of Can. Uh, this was courtesy of Variety's co-editor-in-chief, Ramin Satuta. The first two episodes of The Idol, which features a lot of explicit sex in the life of a messy Britney Spears-like pop star, landed a polite five-minute standing <laughs> ovation at Can. But Zaslov liked it. So, like... If you're above five minutes at Cannes or any of these, you're golden. You are a star in the making. You're redefining both cinema and history as we mere mortals know and are allowed to experience it at your behest. But if you're five minutes or less, you you are. You're garbage. I would suggest you turn your gaze away from my line of sight, you cretin. How dare you make me exist within this world with you? So... After the national anthem by Whitney Houston is six minutes. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, Citizen Kane clapping mm-hmm. by himself in the balcony at his at his wife's yes. terrible <laughs> Broadway debut yeah. is five minutes. Yeah. Homer Simpson celebrating football in the groin at the Springfield Film Festival in that episode <laughs> of The Simpsons is the sub five minute standing ovation. <laughs> Oh, no. All right. Well, we're going to vacillate between reviewing the reviews of uh, well-received movies and those that were the the opposite of well-received movies under the five-minute mark in terms of mm-hmm. standing ovations. So. Which, are, which, I mean, is it even cinema at that point? We have to ask. But, yeah. <laughs> Just polite applause versus <laughs> the rapturous triumph of six minutes. And the polite. I did hear the Angels Choir assembled for those six and a half minutes. The golf clapping uh, chorus of toads. Which, by the way. Mm-hmm. We all saw the uh, standing ovation Harrison Ford. Got, or I guess that was because he got a lifetime, a lifetime achievement. Maybe that wasn't the Indiana Jones applause we saw. Because he didn't he get a separate lifetime achievement award. I don't know which was which. I thought yeah. I thought the the indie was the six minutes. I guess maybe he's crying you know. because poor Harrison Ford doesn't deserve to be wheeled out to France for this shit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, we're going troll early in this episode. I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. But, all right, I'm glad nice. he got a lifetime achievement. Of course, of course. I, I'm going to have some things to say about Dial of Destiny. I'm actually going to take. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to switcheroo on you guys, and uh, I'm going to take an opposite stance. But let's all let's right. let's begin with Killers of the Flower Moon first. Reviewing the reviewers coming up. Ninety five percent on 44 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes a 91 meta score of course Killers of the Flower Moon is directed by Martin Scorsese starring Leo Lily Gladstone Robert De Niro Jesse Plemons Brendan Fraser Tantu Cardinal uh, Cardinal excuse me John Lithgow written by Eric Roth edited by Thelma Schoonmaker in theaters October 20th 2023 and we got a trailer Michael in the traffic as of this morning after only I mean less than a week out on YouTube is 6.5 million YouTube views, um, combining the top four available trailers on that site. Now, okay. can you see the wolves in this picture? 
And you texted me immediately after <laughs> watching it, and you're like, yeah, the, the white people? Just call it white people. <laughs> Just, call Just say it. White, white people did it. <laughs> white people did it. They yeah. did do it, though. So the movie's honoring, obviously, right. some serious themes of exploitation and oppression uh, of Native Americans by white America. There's no yeah. hidden theme here. I'm no. glad that we're just you know taking it head on, though. No, it's timely, that's for sure. And like, I'm sure that's going to piss off half the country at this point because we all know how throughout Martin Scorsese's career, he's famous for playing liberal politics and shunning any Christian or religious exemplary or imagery in his films, right? That godless sodomite that Scorsese's always been. Like, it, this, I think that's what he's going to get accused of, and it's ridiculous because this isn't a woke movie at I'm all. I'm already just like these. I mean, yeah, I'm sure. But just like the themes yep. that this movie is showing isn't woke in theme. It's like factual <laughs> it's just an accounting more right. or less and yes it's done entertainment for entertainment purposes and done through a movie's lens and it's not a historical document like no movies are but like i'm sure it, it, this is going to be cut down by a majority uh, uh, a hefty amount of people in this country i give paramount and apple a credit for leading with this strong trailer here and with that strong stance forward but i'm already hearing it from you know friends of my brothers and whatnot who are Kind of vote, vote for the other ticket and mm-hmm. they're just like aggravated with the film because they don't want to sit in for that so i wonder if like you're saying here i wonder if that affects the box office i wonder if that affects further marketing for the movie if they will kind of lean into more of the gangster stuff and more of the murder mystery stuff and less of the politics going forward but i give i do give them credit because this is an intriguing trailer obviously we're not i mean it's intriguing in the sense that you want to see how it plays out uh, I do feel a little bad that there's some spoilers that are floating around there by some reviewers. Some of the reviewers did not play this one close to the vest. And That's been I, a theme throughout Can so far. I'm a little frustrated by that because I over yeah. I, I don't know if I over you know heard one or not or over, I read one or not, but I, I, we're not going to broadcast any for you guys when we review the reviewers here. I don't think, but it's it is kind of a bummer, no? Yeah, I I I don't. I, I've been starting to come to, like, Jesus with these conversations about early screenings in general right now and, like, what the hell's the point if everyone's just going to lie to Harrison Ford's face and Johnny Depp's <laughs> face anyway? I don't understand what we're doing anymore because we already have a pundit parade. Pro- it's all the stuff we've talked about for, on MMO for years now. And so, like, I don't get it. Yeah, You're a spoiler. You're, you're a spoiler tolerant person. I'm much more laissez-faire with what I consider to be a spoiler and not versus you. Yes, However, you are much more strict scrutiny. If you're dealing with a murder mystery, you don't want to know, like, the serious nut there. You don't want to know that, correct? Right, right. Of course you don't. Uh, of course not. Of course. But also, I don't get the, I mean, did you get the vibe that this is a whodunit? I, even if it's, like, uh, an hour into the movie, whodunit, I don't want to know that still. I want to okay. enjoy that first hour, you know? Because I mean, it's not the vibe. Vi- I mean, I, I was I was able to stay free of those spoilers, but that's not the vibe. I mean, reading one review I read, they didn't give anything away, but I also didn't get the vibe that this was a whodunit more than like a procedural against the backdrop of systemic oppression, which still exists today. Look, I've been wondering if David Ehrlich and I have to fight for years <laughs> now. I don't know. I don't know if he's my best friend or my worst enemy. Well, he's my best friend, so you watch I your I'm just mouth. saying. I don't know. He's got. I love to follow him, but I read his review, and I didn't want to know something that he told me. Gotcha. I don't think. Gotcha. Maybe okay. if it happens in okay. the first fifteen minutes of the movie, I'll forgive him and I'll I'll uh, I'll bring a retraction into that Killers of the Flower Moon film study review. But uh, gotcha. as of now, okay. I'm a little annoyed. But okay, as we go on to uh, to mm-hmm. uh, before we hit reviewing the reviewers and we talk about the awards chances, this one, I mean, nothing but high praise from people that saw this at Cannes. Take that for what it's worth. But I've seen separate and individual Oscar praise and awards praise for Marty, for Leo, for De Niro, for Eric Roth, for Thelma Schoonmaker, and especially more than anyone, Lily Gladstone. Yes. So, as we predicted, you know, two years earlier. So yeah. we've, we're 100% yeah. accurate the further away from the eventual Oscars <laughs> that we have to predict. That's right. That's Because as we get closer, it'll be closer to 0% accurate when That's we do right. predictions. We tell you that all the time. Let's review the reviewers. What are they saying, Mike? Okay. So we – well, here's the thing. You, you said 50% accurate in the summertime. Do you think – Yeah. I, I wonder if we're 75% accurate. Because you were you were, you wanted to call the next one fifty percent accurate, but that's like we're dropping we're dropping like Doctor Strange second weekend box office. That's like scary mm. to me. No. Mm. So, <laughs> uh, when you say summer, what do you consider summer? I don't know. We're gonna do a prediction special. I'm trying to tease it, like a like a like 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 you're, as if yeah, our be listeners September? are ticklish to 
certain. Would it be pre or post Labor Day? I, uh, I think it's pre Labor Day. Okay. Yeah. All right. Then, yeah, you might be right. We, we, we're going to do a gambling special with David, right? we got to talk to him about it. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I think we're going to do a separate, like, mid-year report. I, I wanted to do a predictions episode after, or a you know, mid-year series kind of after Barbie and Oppenheimer, I would say. That's a good time because mm-hmm. it will kind of be in a lull before the festivals start. That's what I was thinking. It depends on what the uh, the lines are on. So, there, the, yeah. so that's, that's a good question. Uh, is it 75% or 50% accurate at that mm-hmm. point? I don't know. All right, finally, let's get moving here. Seeing DiCaprio and De Niro match wits allows the film to remain in a liminal space where the character's intentions are clear yet unconfirmed. But it's Gladstone who is the clear highlight. That's from Robert Daniels of The Playlist. Then we have sprawling across the screen for 206 minutes. Killers yeah. tests our patience, but more than earns its keep as a prestige film, sure to figure prominently in the next Oscar race. That's Peter Howell of the Toronto Star. And then from Bill Bilgi Abiri of the New York Magazine, he says, it feels like an open wound right up to the end. So not all sunshine and rainbows, those, but I guess that that makes sense considering it's not 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. There's got to be at least one film critic that uh, says this isn't uh, up to snuff, and there's actually two thus far. Kevin Maher of Times UK is one of those. He writes the script from Forrest Gump's Eric Roth begins to meander badly, dropping in and out of the murder narrative and ultimately saddling us with a villain in De Niro who's not nearly villainous enough and a protagonist in DiCaprio who's a borderline moron. (laughs) Oh, that is, that is fast. People do get a little irritable at these festivals. They don't, they don't hold back. I can't imagine why. (laughs) Remember the Elvis reviews from last year, though. So, all right. Many questions remained. We are Oscar obsessed here. So we are collecting all this kind of first reaction data. It is always fun to do so. We're searching for narratives. We're wondering about the types of film that could contend for Best Picture at the 96th, especially after uplifting films won the 95th and 94th Best Pictures, Michael. So is the Academy ready to tab a what seems to be a gut punch like Killers of the Flower Moon, a lengthy one? That we haven't seen, we haven't seen a, a long ass three and a half hour movie win in a in a very long time either. So, I wonder if Paramount and Apple got what they wanted out of the Cannes premiere. That this movie is a bona fide contender. It's a strong first reaction, but I don't know if they kind of, I don't know if they've achieved coronation status. Correct? Was the Irishman? I mean, you seem to think the Irishman was as universally well received in praise. I don't remember that. But you, I just remember saying- a month, a week in December of that year after the Irishman came out over Thanksgiving, where everybody's best picture front runner was the Irishman. I remember this, mm-hmm. but you might have been biased. And <laughs> well, I, I just don't remember if it was like on early screenings or anything. If people were going as because this to me feels more positive than it did about the Irishman. Mm-hmm. Like, even though they have the same length of three and a half hours, which is crazy. But that's Scorsese. That's good. That's good. Uh, Paramount and Apple did their job then. However, Disney may not be saying the same about the job they did for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. This has gained a 50% Rotten Tomatoes score on 38 reviews, a 53 meta score. James Mangold of Logan and Walk the Line is the director. Their screenwriters are Jen... Uh, Jez, uh, mm-hmm. well, David Cope, and then Jez and John Henry Butterworth. Yes, Jez and John Henry Butterworth, accredited writers on Edge of Tomorrow, Ford v. Ferrari, and Nine Perfect Strangers. But more important than any of that is that they each have the potential to wed someone into becoming Mrs. Buttersworth. <laughs> You're a jerk. You're a jerk. Uh, Dial of Morphine stars Harrison Ford, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Mads Mikkelsen, Antonio Banderas, Boyd Holbrook, John Rhys-Davies, and Toby Jones. We have uh, Dial of Destiny coming to theaters June 30th, so it's coming yeah. soon. 50% on Rotten Tomato, 53 Metascore should probably hint at where these reviews uh, will land, but an adventure that, despite stripping itself of all fan service air, feels simulated and forced. That's Ruben Peralta, regard of Cocalecas. 
Uh, it often fizzes as much as it lulls, but in Mickelson's Dr. Schmidt, the film can at least boast a worthy antagonist and one with enough personality to cover some of those cracks. That's Rory O'Connor of the film stage. And then Rory Doherty of Flick said, a film that inherits the directing mantle from Steven Spielberg should know when to step up. It's about time executives realize that franchises cannot be cleanly separated from the visions and talents of those who made them. Oh, I like that. Okay, look, I am a little suspicious of these first reactions. Critics may be somewhat turned against Dial of Destiny like I was, and I've been you know, notoriously skeptical for, for years now about this project. The trailers kind of sucked. We reviewed those. So there's a sense that this is like a cynical cash grab. The VFX are lousy. The de-aging looks obvious. This is like the last chance to use this IP before it's too late. Oh no. Mm -hmm. I wonder, I wonder if we can trust these dial of destiny critics. And I, it's no offense to the Rory's or the Ruben, uh, that we are citing here. I, I enjoyed their reviews. That's why I'm citing them. But what's your guess? If they were ever going to be to excuse too much stuff to be positive, wouldn't it be at a place like Cannes? I don't understand the question. That's a lawyer's question. I'm so if they, if, there was, if there was ever going to be a time in which critics were uh, filled with a sense of euphoric bliss about a movie okay. to the extent in which they excuse much of the negativity, I would think it would be at a place like Cannes. And yet, despite that, these are still not okay. the greatest reviews. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. I wonder I wonder if the Lifetime Achievement Award was again, trying to play some devil's advocate here. If the Lifetime Achievement Award was a very positive reception, obviously, which it should have been. Mhm. It, it it's a little audacious to you know, to, to hate the movie after that fact, I guess. It's, I, I would agree. Probably that's, that's, yeah, me failing at playing devil's advocate here. Just, yeah, <laughs> agreeing with you. I just won you over immediately. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what do you... Well, here's the, here's my pause. Because Ehrlich and many crushed Elvis last year. Crushed it at camp. Fair, fair, and, fair. And this was one of the few solo fair. episodes I did. And I, I remember just going on and on reading these just skewering reviews yeah. for Elvis. And then the audience still liked it. And later on the Academy and everybody would pick up would a like it. Steam. Yeah. We liked it. Yeah. It definitely happens. Uh, you know, I mean, you could, is it going to happen with Harrison Ford's fifth indie installment in 2023? I don't know. Okay. You're, you're, you're still skeptical and that's fair. I just, I, I feel bad for like, I'm glad he's getting paid for this, that what he is. But I like just don't ever do this again, Harrison Ford. Just stay home. I'm 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 a big Fleabag fan. I'm a big James I like Mangold Phoebe, fan. I like Phoebe Waller. I like James Mangold. Like just you don't need the indie or or, or pass down. I mean, are they going to give the the mantle to Phoebe Waller Bridges here? Is it going to be her franchise now? I don't know. I I wish they. I I don't need them to, but I just want her to just have this work because I just love her career so far. Same. Yeah. Anyway. All right, Asteroid City, the latest from Wes Anderson here as we move on. It's carrying 86% right now on 21 reviews, a 76 Metascore. Those are both very high numbers. The itinerary of a junior stargazer convention is spectacularly disrupted by world-changing events. That sounds like a Wes Anderson premise. <laughs> Esther Zuckerman of the Daily Beast writes, Asteroid City has all the ticks that make Anderson Anderson. The slow pans, the deliberate framing, the erudite dialogue, and a narrator to boot. It's also his best film since 2014's The Grand Budapest Hotel. Wow, all that did was get, like, I think nine Academy Award nominations <laughs> on its resume. Wes Anderson returns with one of his most dazzling, rich, and playfully self-reflexive films to date, brought to eye-popping life by an all-timer ensemble. That's David Jenkins of Little White Lies. But not all reviews are happy, of course. Asteroid City looks smashing, but as a movie, it's for Anderson diehards only, and maybe not even too many of them. That's our boy Owen Gleiberman there. Never seen a movie he likes from Variety. <laughs> <laughs> also, David Rooney of The Hollywood Reporter, so the two leading trades, did not like Asteroid City. For a movie so curiously weightless, it seems awfully pleased with itself. It's moments of magic evaporating almost instantaneously. So, Okay, what kind of review is that? Doesn't every Wes Anderson movie seem awfully pleased with itself? 
Yeah. They're, Isn't they that enjoy. The, the part of the joy of a Wes Anderson movie? They, well, here's the thing. This is in our wheelhouse. Our coming of age in as cinephiles has been through and with Wes Anderson film That's love. true. Like, That's true. He is, so at, at worst, it seems to be saying that these critics are like, well, this is made for his fans. And maybe they never got him or maybe they never loved all of his work like we have. Is that the floor for Asteroid City, I'm hoping? I hope so, other than the fact that Jason Schwartz was in it and not Adam Sandler in that role. <laughs> this is going to be a thing all season, I guess, folks. <laughs> Wes Anderson was getting predicted uh, from Little Gold Men podcast I love for best picture by some, uh, at least one of the, the group there. This was getting a lot of buzz before Cannes for years now. I'm, I'm really excited for it. You have an Oscars history for Wes Anderson. He's gotten two Best Animated Feature noms for the Fantastic Mr. Fox and Isle of Dogs. You said it, Grand Budapest Hotel. Nine Oscar nominations, including four wins for costumes, makeup and hair, score and production design. He's only gotten one Best Director nom for the Grand Budapest Hotel, but he has three Best Original Screenplay nominations without a win thus far. So you would think he's one of those Guys who's guy who's paid his dues with the Academy. He's he's made this genre all his own to the point where you're getting Lord of the Rings parodies online right now. <laughs> That's true. Right. It's big so, on TikTok. Yeah. We, I, I don't know that. I mean, and it's even a genre. It, I mean, it can't be replicated by anyone else. It's just kind of like a Wes Anderson vision. It's just like his style is yeah. so, so pronounced. So I'm wondering if this movie's a, a success. It's going to be one of those. Kind of a cat, academy catnip situations. They're 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 not going to be able to resist, especially if it's, if it's as, a hit. Yeah, if it's as universally beloved and and, and as accessible as Grand Budapest Hotel too, then yeah, I think we could have a a major player on its hands. And the fact that a lot of the early reviews are that positive, I mean, look, at least <laughs> at least give the critics who are at Cannes credit for being willing to lie to the stars and directors' faces in the theater and be honest when they're in their hotel rooms writing these reviews because not every review is, you know, we're not getting 90s across the board this year and we're not like, we don't have the Dune, my God, this movie may lay its hands upon me so that I can walk from this chair once again type reviews, which is nice to see. So there is that variation. As you have established, five minutes of that standing ovation applause is polite and they're mm-hmm. only these critics are only lying for one minute of the six minutes. <laughs> you, you've established could be. this much. Could be, yeah, that could be the could be the scientific breakdown to my cynicism there. I appreciate that. Uh, something definitely to keep an eye on there is the Wes Anderson movie Asteroid City that comes out soon. Club Zero is another one we'll talk about. This one not being reviewed as well, kind of making the point that I was just trying to make. Thirty percent on ten reviews from writer director Jessica Hausner, starring Mia Wasikowski from Alice in Wonderland and Stoker. We have a longer premise now for Club Zero. Miss Novak joins the staff of an international boarding school to teach a conscious eating class. She instructs that eating less is healthy. The other teachers are slow to notice what is happening, and by the time the distracted parents begin to realize, Club Zero has become a reality. Wendy Eide of Screen International says it looks terrific, as always. Hausner's use of color and costume is striking and eloquent, but this is a thinly written picture that operates on a largely superficial level. Then she we have, spelled color wrong, just well, for the record. She, it's the, the British color, isn't it? Color? Isn't that the, uh, the old mm-hmm. English spelling with the U? If you say so. Emissasic of next next best picture. <laughs> Follow that up. Even if it's an absurd example, Hausner's film doesn't steer too far from what eating disorders can mentally, emotionally, and physically do to people, especially young minds. I am bummed. I was intrigued by Club Zero. The still was one of the better examples of uh, how to intrigue me as a film festival goer with one picture it's speaking a thousand words because like the kids are turning and looking at her from afar when you when you broaden out the the viewpoint or you could close up on on the on the movie star there and just and she's got a strange look on her face so you know props to the selection process on that one still and i love 
her career, Mia Wasikowska. I love that her career has pushed away from the Disney remakes like Alice in Wonderland and towards just working with great filmmakers one mm. after another, from Del Toro to Park Chan-wook to me and Hanson Love with Bergman I- Island last year. So I was I was excited for Club Zero, and I'm kind of bummed by this reception. Still early reviews. There are only 10 reviews carrying that 30%, so who knows? It could balance out in the long run. We'll move on to Monster, which has got a rapturous uh 100% on 30 reviews and 80 meta score monsters directed by Hirokazu Kurita starring Sakura Ando of Shoplifters, Shida Nakamura of Letters from Iwo Jima and Redcliffe as well as Aida Nagayama, Mitsuki Takahata and Monster was written by Yuji Sakamoto with a premise that reads a mother demands answers from a teacher when her son begins acting strangely. So do we need to call Tilda Swinton here and talk about Kevin again? Is that what we're doing here? <laughs> Very good. No, we needed to talk, talk about Kevin, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, this, we, this trailer, we, we reviewed it a couple weeks ago, it absolutely makes me think of uh, we need to talk about Kevin. Yeah, yeah. But when you get to the reviews, I guess we're, we're dealing with something that, you know, it looks like we're blaming the adults here rather than uh, okay. a kid losing his, his, his mind a little bit there. A sweet, unknowable, and often purposely misleading red herring of a whodunit that morphs into an unexpected tale of friendship. Monster feels like a departure for Karita. That's Thomas Lafley for the rap. Yeah, Karita builds a film that in its bewilderment manages to be infinitely clearer about the anguish and pain of growing up, be it to become a monster or accuse others of being one. That's Jorge Negretti of Bulaca Anka. Uh, we have we have 100% here, but all right, I said rapture, rapturous. Does that sound like rapturous reviews for you or no? This seems like sobering sobering yeah. and positive yeah i mean maybe not the makings of a school shooter but the makings of a child being wrongfully accused by some dumb adults of some heinous acts i, hmm. I that's not exactly something that i would think is gonna may be a feel-good story coming out of the theater so it could be something sobering like you're saying shoplifters was was a feel-good story broker also quite the feel-good story even though there's there's tough times to 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 be witnessed there i love the former and the latter I think I want to revisit Broker. Uh, you know, Song Kang Ho is, is quite the actor. He's always worth rewatching. Still, like, you've got to be a patient viewer of Hirokazu Kurita's story, so I wonder, I do wonder how this ultimately gets received. But it does seem to be a much more, I guess, you know, just uh, muscular premise if, if you're asking all these questions about you know, red herrings and whatnot and where this and story is whining, winding. Yeah. I mean, if uh, you want to hook me into whatever your movie is, just put who done it somewhere. I'm a uh, sucker as well. So know, like yeah. monsters, probably one of those can that hopefully comes to New York film festival offerings yeah. that I'm, I'm going to hope come over. Uh, we'll move on to the opening nighter. Jan Duberry, Michael. 52% on its first 31 reviews on Rotten Tomato, also a 52 Metascore. So not great there, but it does have a 6.8 on its first 1,100-plus votes on IMDb. So that's a bit of a disconnect. You get around 7 on IMDb, you're dealing with some uh, some hollowed ground there. Yeah, directed by Mai Wen, uh, the actress from High Tension, The Fifth Element, uh, and Leon the Professional, I believe. And uh, she's turned into quite the director here, opening the, the festival. Uh, it stars Mai Wen... Johnny Depp, Melvin Poupad, Pascal Gregory, and Benjamin Laverne. The life of Jean Beku, who was born as the illegitimate daughter of an impoverished seamstress in 1743 and went on to rise through the court of Louis XV to become his last official mistress. This has been dubbed Johnny Depp's big quote-unquote comeback. Take that mm. for what it's worth. Jean Duberry isn't dull or a disgrace, but it's more of a curiosity than a must-see, and certainly not Depp's finest hour. That's Anna Smith for Metro Newspaper. Against the odds, Jean Duberry has turned out to be subtle and well-crafted costume drama with plenty of satirical bite. That's Jeffrey McNabb for The Independent out of the UK. It's, uh, it's, it's a lot of flowy dresses and puffy shirts, so it seems like right up your alley, Michael. Well, a lot of uh, applause for the production values, and that's not a surprise. We reviewed the trailer a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. Uh, Jean Duberry is guilty entertainment, preening and ahistorical and based compellingly, or, or basically compelling, excuse me, my adverbs 
I have Dane Bramage. In that sense, it succeeds. That's from Richard Lawson, who's one of my favorite critics from Vanity Fair yeah. there. So the direct is such a mess of a controversy here, Michael. I started to read the IndieWire article from Samantha Burgesson. So, guys, if you want to read that, I'm not going to go through the twists and turns of it. But, my God, it's complicated. My win was allegedly... Uh, assaulted a journalist i guess she admitted to part of it i don't know and the full summary of why she might have done that is is really heart-wrenching and obviously johnny depp's inclusion in this opening night film has been another large controversy looming over can so what a freaking mess stop raping people stop hitting people don't touch people if they don't want to be touched how about that for like a basic rule of humanity jesus christ of course yeah. move right. on may december which was one that got a lot of headlines yesterday because netflix just paid out 11 million dollars for only its north american distribution rights which is something unique for wow. netflix uh but anyway it's carrying a 93 percent on its first 28 reviews uh this is the todd haynes movie who did carol carol far from heaven and i'm not Come there on. stars natalie portman and julianne moore 20 years after their notorious tabloid romance gripped the nation a married couple buckles under the pressure when an actress arrives to do research for a film about their past i was reading into this apparently this was a a big portman uh undertaking yes uh lot just a lot of praise for for her work here no as in she was like the producer behind it too it was her studio i think oh really that's what i that's what i believe don't quote me on that but yeah okay (laughs) so you think you may have read that it could have been a fever dream. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> I'll go. To, I'll go with the Peter Hammond from Deadline Hollywood's review here. You cannot, cannot do better than having Portman and Moore front and center with juicy roles like these. Watching their cat and mouse game again confirms these two Oscar winners are as good as it gets. Uh, we also have Stephanie Zacharek of Time Maz- Magazine writing: May December could have more fire. It could even be more twisted, but it's seductive enough to keep us following along one betrayal after another. Garcia Sao for La Jornada, excuse me there, uh, also has that like relatively positive but wistful for what could have been type review. Mm. There was a lot of potential, such as developing the theme of duplicity, the legitimacy of love in a society ruled by pure, 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 good God. Puritanism. Puritanism. (laughs) Give me 18 chances. I'll get at one of those. Or the difference between cinema and reality, and Haynes has not taken advantage of any of it. Hmm. Uh, That's the review there from Sao. So, again, I mean, if you're putting Portman and Julianne Moore with a Todd Haynes behind the camera, you're probably not going to be let down. I would hope so. I'm rooting for this film for certain. I'm also rooting for its Oscar chances i think i predicted it for something last episode i don't remember or you know last, last predictions that were 100 percent accurate i'm gonna have to ones, yeah. it'd be good if i cited those more often mm-hmm. because we're so right on anyway <laughs> you when we stop citing them you'll know we're very <laughs> wrong on them <laughs> netflix only had one acting nomination last year that was anna de armas of blonde they had 14 acting noms in the prior two oscars so I wonder wow. if this is a relatively cost-effective way for them to take a stab at a, at a couple performance noms here for what seems to be a two-hander with two Oscar winners, Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore in it. Makes sense. I wonder why they're not doing worldwide distribution rights. That's yeah, a good question. Maybe they don't think it'll play all that well. Maybe yeah. it's talky. I don't know. Uh, there's supposedly a huge showcase scene for Portman here that if I'm interpreting this right, and again, I've had problem, uh, problems interpreting <laughs> film festival premises, like I thought werewolves were in a certain film yeah, in the past. Vaguely. So take this with a grain <laughs> of salt. But apparently Natalie Portman has quite the scene involving multiple mirrors, which could mm. be like the Ox, uh, you know, Oscar triple crown. Going back right to there. Black Swan days. Yeah, not right. yeah, just three mirrors. That's all you need. That's it. That is it. For the she proved that. Here's your Oscar. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just. I'm wondering if this is a performance play. Eleven million thrown at it. Netflix makes some sense. Eleven million too. I mean, it's not a lot of money, obviously, for a film festival acquisition, but it's nothing to sneeze at. Not at all. Uh, we'll move to the Sweet East. This is a director's Fortnite uh, film. Ninety-three percent on fourteen reviews. A sixty-four Metascore. 
plot premise reads, A picturesque journey through the cities and woods of the eastern seaborne of the U.S. undertaken by Lillian, a high school senior from South Carolina. She gets her first glimpse of the wider world on a class trip to Washington, D.C. This is starring Talia Ryder of Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. Great in that movie. Simon Rex of Red Rocket. Great Jacob, in that movie. Jacob Elordi of Euphoria. I'm out! Ayo <laughs> Edabiri of The Bear uh, and The Sweet East is directed by Sean Price Williams, the cinematographer from Good Times. Catherine Bray of Variety can play for my team any day because this is the type <laughs> of level-headed, I'm too scared to say anything, but I have to get my point across, but please don't yell at me, but I'm also sick of this entire industry as a whole. <laughs> Review. <laughs> Festival reviews just love to hype a breakout performance to the extent that one worries about becoming the little <laughs> critic that cried breakout, but here it goes. Talia Ryder, lead actor in the Sweet East, is a star. Love, love that review. Love it. Uh, I love to review the reviews. That's my favorite review thus far. Yeah, that's great. Uh, The Sweet East morphs Alice in Wonderland into an Americana dreamscape. I thought that was a cool way to put it from Lex Briscusco of Slash Film. So clearly, like we could see Talia Ryder just having having that uh, trajectory right after the film we reviewed a couple years ago. You know what's going to be interesting, too, is that we know there was such a... Backlash. I mean, I don't know how we'll ever keep tabs on such a thing, but because there was such an ingrained backlash in the within the academy about something like Never Really, Sometimes Always, mm. I wonder if that's a grudge that gets kept and like held against the actors and directors attached to that picture Darn by people it. in the academy for years. I, I, I mean, we'll have not. we'll never know. That letter probably should have never been leaked. That that was when whoever that senior academy member put out that letter and said, "I'll never vote for this type of movie because it's you know godless and blah blah blah." Mm. Yeah, I, I tell you what though. That something like that makes me glad for all the anonymous Oscar ballots. It does. Yeah, absolutely. Because I want to. I want to know these things, yeah. even though that that's its own rabbit hole that time of year. But I, I want to know. Let's 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 hear those. Even though it's tough to read, let's hear those reviews. All right, we'll move. We'll move on to Firebrand, Michael. Fire. Fifty percent on fourteen <laughs> reviews, sixty-one Metascore. This is one I thought might compete for the Palm. Uh, the reviews mm. might suggest otherwise. Right now, follows Queen Catherine Parr and Henry VIII's marriage. This has Alicia Vikander, Jude Law, and Eddie Marzon. Is this the one that calls Jude Law disgusting? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> With two stellar head-to-head performances from Alicia Vikander and a disgustingly unrecognizable <laughs> Jude Law, who constantly makes viewers hold their breaths in fear. It's a royal showcase that brings tension and courage to the screen. That's Emma Sachich of uh, Next Best Picture. Then we have from Therese Laxon of Collider. With a messy story and confusing characters, a news firebrand is a disappointment to behold no matter how exquisite the film looks. And speaking of exquisite, like the stills on this one are like, they look like paintings. Yeah, they are quite beautiful. Museums. This one and Jean Dewberry are are very pretty to look at i will admit like real purdy sure is purdy <laughs> alicia vikander who is an angel on this earth and just the grotesque <laughs> ugly disgust i vomited at the sight of jude law beard and a hairy neck uh no I, i'm sure he's disgusting he's yeah. he's a young pope he's gross all the time <laughs> he's he's a gross captain hook why is he yeah, playing so fair. gross lately fair fair yeah, good questions. Good questions. Maybe he hates what he sees in the mirror. Dude, you're beautiful. You're okay, man. He's like the one of the most renowned heartthrobs what in the if last 30 years. What if his agent just fucking hates him? <laughs> <laughs> this is the deep cut analysis that only the aggregators that right now, Mike Mike. That's right. On Mike Mike and Oscar can provide you guys. This is the inside knowledge all right the outside knowledge zone of interest michael 100 percent on 33 reviews a 98 meta score damn it and i pulled it out of my freaking oscars predictions the zone of interest is directed by jonathan glazer of under the skin birth and sexy beast it stars sandra hulier hulier uh, uh, and christian friedel and it's got quite the plot premise here, very heavy. The Commandant of Auschwitz, Rudolf Haas, and his wife Hedwig strive to build a dream life for their family in a house and garden next to the camp. So yeah, a heavy premise, unique premise, as you said. And here's uh, 
John Blizdell. I'm so sorry. Blizdell? Of sin of you. I know I'm murdering that last name. My apologies for that. B-L-E-A-S-E-D-A-L-E. Glazersville. Bleasdale? Is that it? Blazadell? You don't think it's Blazadell? Bleasdale? Probably you're probably right. Anyway, John, I apologize. Glazer's film is richly daring. It is both meticulous and brutal, aloof and involved, ferocious and cool. It is poetry and cinema, but it is also guilty and it knows that it is. Uh, wow. We also Raphael Abraham of the Financial Times says Glazer has achieved something much greater than just making the monstrous mundane. By rendering such extreme inhumanity ordinary, he reawakens us to its true horror. These Crazy. are some of the better pull quotes. Yeah. yeah. I, I am I am absolutely fascinated by this, but I'm terrified of this movie. And like, so, I mean, the, the premise alone, so you have uh, a Nazi commander and his wife trying to build like a normal life for themselves outside the walls of the most horrific act in humanity going on. Right. Good S- God. Son of Saul was perhaps the most violent, horrifying film I've ever seen. And that, and, you know, I've been delving into the horror genre mm-hmm. with you for a while especially of late and uh, that was the academy award winner in best international film uh the, over these past 20 years i forget which year it's it's funny because that's where the academy seems to get it not care about how good a movie makes you feel right like as, if it's an international film and we're in the international film category we can praise it but if it's competing for best picture you better make us feel good about ourselves you, you're right you're not wrong about that however uh this 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 review, but it is also guilty, and it knows it. Wow, John Bleasdale. I don't know what to make of that. That's how you write a review, folks. I'm re- I'm reading that, and I'm like, oh my god, this was a movie that was going to be a tough sit for me, no matter what. Mm. But I could not be more intrigued because obviously they're dealing with, you know, this family that's trying to take shape, and their the husband works for the devil, is the devil himself, right? I mean, that's certainly what it reads like. And 100%, 98 Metascore couldn't be higher. So it seems to take its, uh, you know, material that's dealing with very seriously as well, respectfully. Move on to what was considered to be a possible low-key, sneaky Palme d'Or contender in the documentary from Bing Wong, Youth, in parentheses, Spring. I don't know what it's called. 86% on 14 reviews. So this is ultimately about the garment district in rural China uh, by the Yangtze River. I uh, I don't know if it's a garment district, but workshops out there. And I guess, you know, the, the it's documentary similar to what we saw a couple years ago that was nominated. Oh, God, I'm forgetting the name of that. I saw it at a festival. Oh, dear Lord, Michael. I, I'm, I'm lost with you, buddy, on this one. I could usually at least have an attempt. Ascension. Oh, I pulled, uh, pulled right up. Two, uh, 2021, fi- 2021 film, Chinese documentary. We're getting a bunch of these now, that, uh, and I think I think it's important. Yeah. Uh, well, Leslie Felperin of The Hollywood Reporter says, there has been a boom in yeah. films, both documentary and fictional, about garment workers. This is a major contribution to this subgenre. We also have Angel Quintana. Uh a four-hour work that stands as a compelling portrait of the moral misery of our time. Hmm. Four hours of a documentary about being a miserable fabric worker. <laughs> You're signing up for uh, Doc NYC <laughs> this year, Michael, aren't I you? Can't, I have never been more immediately turned off by a review. <laughs> a positive review. I'm, I'm sure it's important, and I'm sure this is a lovely film. <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> well, they don't get, ain't much better in here, kid. Occupied city, Michael, sixty-seven percent on twenty-one reviews. I knew you would get the Home Alone two reference there. Yeah. Uh, this is a documentary directed by Steve McQueen with an already seventy-four meta score. Uh, a premise reads: the past collides with the present in this excavation of the Nazi occupation of Amsterdam, a journey from World War II to recent years of pandemic and protest, and a provocative, life-affirming reflection on memory, time, and what's to come. Let me put it this way, too. I mean, if you're gonna do like a four-hour movie. If it's like a, it should be a documentary. It should be something that's you know, uh, grass grassroots and funded by the produce by the director and stuff like that. Like I'm okay with that. I'd much rather have a four hour documentary about an important subject than just let these auteurs go willy nilly because they 
Netflix wants to be in bed with them. You know what I mean? Hmm. It's not a direct shot at Martin Scorsese, but it's also not. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's par for the course here at Mike, Mike and Husker. We have a, a complicated relationship with Martin Scorsese, which is why I wish we could have tackled Mike, Mike, and Marty. I mean, well, we may have to tackle that at some point. Maybe on if Patreon the Irishman would w- shave twenty five minutes off, it'd be, you can't. I can't be convinced it wouldn't be an infinitely better movie. Yeah, of course it would. Well, that's. I mean, it, but who are we? I know. To I, you're right. You're absolutely him. right. You're absolutely right. We are nobody's in comparison. <laughs> you're, you're, could not be more accurate. You're right. Uh, mm. Jason Korber of POV Magazine. Occupied City is a mammoth work, both in running time and import. A perfect illustration of the synergy between Stigter's perceptive investigation and McQueen's keen eye and willingness to challenge his audience. And Ankit Junjunwala of Screen Anarchy writes, Occupied City was apparently conceived first and foremost as an art installation for museums. It's impossible to walk away from it without thinking that is where it belongs and that is where it should stay. So, Do you think it's insulting if you're at Cannes and you're in a four-hour documentary to get up and pee? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I'm, 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 Piss your pants. I, I can't go to any of these. You impatient. <laughs> I can't. I can't do it. I don't No, I see people getting up at film festivals all the time. The problem is, the problem is if you're dressed to the nines and you're in like one of the galas. Oh my God, yeah. I didn't even consider that. That's the other I, I'll show, I'll go to Cannes if I can go in sweatpants. You could go to like the normal screenings for the normies. <laughs> With the normies. <laughs> You peasants, <laughs> where they only stand and clap for five minutes. <laughs> yeah, but if you go to the gala, you know you're just not supposed to. You're not supposed to uh, defecate, or you know you're not supposed to have those high, so- high society doesn't That's exert right. their bowels. I get you. We're going exactly where we thought we would this episode. Anatomy of a Fall, 100% on 13 reviews. A woman is suspected of her husband's murder, and their blind son faces a moral dilemma Dilemma, excuse me, as the sole witness, directed by Justine Triet, starring Sandra Huller again, who's having a big can. Yeah, she's got to be the favorite to yeah. win... Uh... The Best Actress Award. Anyway, Hewler is extraordinary in a can't-look-away performance that grips you from beginning to end, constantly making you wonder if she did or did not murder her husband. That's Matt Neglia of Next Best Picture. Unbelievable. A director and actress in peak form, that's John Frosch of Hollywood Reporter, breathtakingly intelligent and subtly perverse masterpiece, that's Alina Lazik for The Playlist. I never watched the docu-series or the HBO show The Staircase, but this strikes this, me... This has to be The Staircase. ...as very similar, right? Uh, like a gen- But it's a gender reversal of it, because... But but it's also, like, now you, you throw in the, the blind son who's forced to testify or something. This is fascinating. Anatomy is this, of a fall. And... Uh, is this based on something real? Do we know? I don't know. I don't know. I'm I I'm as intrigued by this one as anything. Uh. And I, I got to tell you, Zone of Interest, Monster, Anatomy of a Fall, two Sandra Huller uh, yeah. vehicles there. Good point. Those Good point. are those are my top top choices to uh, yeah, and top hopes to come to New York. Another uh, another film that's been getting a lot of praise is Benel and Adama, 100% on nine reviews, 69 Metascore. Nice. nice. A young couple in Senegal must contend with the disapproval of their remote village. Written and directed by Ramada Tule Sai. Caitlin Quinlan from Little White Lies again with its balletic choreography. Balletic? Balletic. Mm. It, it, the choreography something like a ballet, we never is, are right is what she's saying there <laughs> the <laughs> performance and statuesque visual approach size film is a work of remarkable composition in Ramana Tulay size impressive debut she's saying we're more than flesh and blood and that if things are falling apart we can still make sense of it because we're storytellers I love reviews like that because that's very positive. Yeah, yeah. Steve Pond of the rap man. I mean that's that's really positive and that's when I want I want the theme when I don't know the filmmaker's work and yeah, I, and, and I they're trying that. to tell you this is a filmmaker you want to discover 100% Rotten Tomatoes this is the righteous theme they're talking about yeah let's go all right it's we'll funny you on. go through you go through a show like this and you're picking out movies you want to see and I'm going through and picking out critics that I don't want to MF 
<laughs> but that there's one, Steve yeah, Pond. Steve All Pond right. made the list. He's good. Good. The new boy, seventy uh, percent on ten reviews. I forgot to write all the information on this one, but this is the Australian film. Kate uh, Blanchett is starring in it. We we previewed it uh, prior to this. David Rooney of the Hollywood Reporter writes engrossing, even when the the story strays from its path. And then Leonardo Goy of the Film Stage write Blanchett gives a committed turn as the conflicted nun, but all her emphatic exertions cannot resurrect a story that forsakes its mysticism for a calculated parable as well intentioned as it is turgid. How dare it be turgid, yeah, Leonardo? Leonardo Gall's not on that list. I will, uh... what, Mike, what does turgid mean? Any fucking idea? <laughs> uh, Swollen and distended or congested. So, okay, so it's too long. Just say it's too long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, less, less, less can reviews. More can adjectives to describe standing ovations, please. As I told. Why did I forget to write about write what these movies are about? About dry glasses is our next film. Eighty-two percent on eleven. Do you have any idea what it's about? Reviews. All right, you have to guess what it's about, Michael. Uh, Go ahead. <laughs> you get one bad, guess. This is a bad idea. <laughs> this is a really bad idea. Go ahead. This could be a new uh, segment. Go ahead. What's the uh, plot premise of about dry uh, glasses? Uh, all right. Let's let's uh, let me read that. Among the most brilliantly off-putting works to be featured at Cannes, that doesn't help. That sedan at Laka from IndieWire, a ravishingly cinematic piece of work that seems designed to spark animated, if not acrimonious, debate. Lee Marshall screen. All right. So we have. I will give uh, you a thousand guesses, but you only get one right now. <laughs> all right. All right. So there's a. Uh, <laughs> There's a murder that happens. And nope. <laughs> wait, just let me finish this premise because I might be onto something here. <laughs> and the only witness to it, I'm borrowing from the staircase uh, like movie that we just did. The only witness to it isn't sure what he saw because his glasses were wet. <laughs> That's correct, actually. Thank I can't you. believe it. You Nailed got it. it. Right. You got it right. <laughs> no, it's, it's about a young teacher who hopes to be appointed to Istanbul after mandatory duty on a small village. So like a yak mm. in the classroom, baby, basically. Mm. But it, yeah, anyway. Um, no, after, after a long time waiting, he loses all hope of escaping this gloomy life. However, his clo- colleague helps him to regain a perspective. I was close. You're very close. Good job. <laughs> anyway, did, you kind of you, you read the reviews in there. So about dry glasses. Now, now we have to review People it. People are happy with it. People like it. Uh, people also want to learn how to have sex. That's got 100%. That's the name of a movie, not a suggestion for Mike or I. 100% on 17 reviews right now on Rotten Tomatoes. Michael, go ahead. A lot of great reviews for this one. Again, I forgot to write down the premise, but you guys can get it. The writing is sharp throughout. Manning Walker has an acute ear for teen vernacular and a sly sense of humor. But some of the film's most powerful moments are wordless. It's American out- Pie. <laughs> no. Three British teenage girls go on a rites of passage holiday, mm-hmm. drinking, clubbing, mm-hmm. and hooking up in what should be the best summer of their lives. It's American Pie. We're all going to lose our virginity before prom. It's American Pie? It's, I mean, that's, that's, that's the three British teenage <laughs> girls go on a rites of passage holiday, drinking, clubbing, and hooking up. All right. Who doesn't love the, American Pie? Yeah. It's, 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 it's American Pie with girls. I'm in. Wendy Ede Ede of Screen International loved it. Uh, And then we have How to Have Sex is an overwhelmingly funny romp that is engaging and heartfelt from beginning to end. That's Nick Rurkraut of Awards Watch. It is worth noting that it's listed as a drama on IMDb. There's no comedy to be seen. So just uh, take that for what it's worth versus the, uh, the two reviews we just had it linked to. Was Decision to Leave listed as a werewolf movie? Is that why I screwed <laughs> it up? It's a drama, romance, werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> the Delinquents. I have a plot premise here. Let me just okay. read it. M- Moran and Roman are looking for freedom and adventure. One commits a robbery, discovering an alternative to his boring life, while the other hides money that doesn't belong to him. Their destiny as new criminals will bring them together. David Ehrlich says about it, Rodrigo Moreno's dreamy and discursive the delinquents might kick off with one of the most low-key bank robberies anyone has ever attempted, but it's hard to overstate how thrilling it feels once the thief finally tells us about what he stole. That's intriguing. 
Yeah, 100% on 10 reviews, we forgot to say. And then Rodrigo Moreno methodically unfurls a genius tragic comedy on the elusive nature of freedom. That's from Carlos Aguilar of The Playlist. So I gave uh, gave two of my favorite critics the hammer there on the delinquents. And... Yeah, David Ehrlich. I mean, I love him. I hate him. I, I get mad when he's mad at a film, but then I, I love him when he's when he writes so eloquently when he's angry about a, at a film. He's but the cousin I, that comes to Thanksgiving that's a doctor and a lawyer. <laughs> he's accomplished too much. That's right. Yeah. But he, I wanted to give him a positive review in this episode because I'm usually writing David Ehrlich just hit pieces, right? <laughs> I'm usually citing those. <laughs> he loved the delinquents. Um, based on what we talked about now, as, as we're winding down this episode, what do you, I mean, if you had to put money on something winning the palm or finishing top two? Oh boy, um, yeah, that's. I mean, anatomy Anatomy of a Fall is super intriguing, winning something to me. Sandra Huller, uh, she's got to win something, right? But you're right. I mean, Firebrand, I would have thought had a chance. Big names. I wonder if they just go up and give it to Asteroid. Because doesn't Wes Anderson have a long history with Ken? Yeah. Yeah, could be. But six minutes, it's not... It's true. It's a good point. Far enough from uh, five minutes. zone of interest, too, but that also only had six minutes. Can't, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon is not competing. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, man. I mean, this... I mean, <laughs> This is the most meaningless prediction we've ever done, right? I mean, just we are reading what other people are saying, right? I mean, I mean I'm looking at the the list. I mean, it could be the old oak, the pot on fire. It could be uh, one of the films we we talk about in the next episode. I heard four. Do- I mean, I want to kind of backtrack and cover a few films that we missed: Four Daughters, etc. But yeah, I mean, my gut right now, if I'm if you're putting a, it's like betting on a horse race, you're just like picking a number one through eighteen. Correct. Anatomy of a Fall is my best guess. Okay. But, well, right. How about you? Uh, I would either go with Wes Anderson or I would go with uh, with the um, the Auschwitz movie there that I already talked about. The Zone of Interest. Zone of Interest. Yeah. Yeah, that's in competition as well. Yeah. We'll see. Curious about those. Um, there you go. That There you have it. That is your Big Can 2023 rundown with more to come this weekend. And we will we will be recapping. Uh, my my pronunciation has been just terrible this episode. And I apologize to you, dear listener. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'm only a man. Well, you've said things as Caucasian-y as you could. Mm-hmm. I don't know why you did that today. It's like you it's a fair you point. watched a, a, a marathon of Spin City last night. Or Aaron Can Sorkin. I tell you something? Can I tell you mm-hmm. something? I loved Spin Spin City. <laughs> the most nasally pronunciation, <laughs> the whitest. Like, I, I still, to this day, quote uh, Barry Boswick in that show where he's like, ah, I think I'm going to cut out early, make it a long weekend. And Michael J. Fox is like, it's Tuesday, sir. <laughs> uh, that is funny. Yeah, no, but so. I don't know why. You you just you sounded like every character from. Yeah. Well, it wasn't a good day for me. You know, sometimes sometimes you, you go out there and you you just don't have your A game. I can think of a certain basketball team from Boston that that describes, as a matter of fact. It's cost me hundreds of dollars in the last week. Oof. Yeah. Vegas has not helped you either with those odds. What are we talking about? We should talk about what's I wish there were can odds. Let me tell you, if there were can odds on an American sports book, a, a, a degenerate like me would be all over it. The, and they'd the, be making a killing. You have to know what this jury of, let's go over it again, Ruben mm-hmm. Oshland, mm-hmm. Paul Dano, Julia Dukernow, who the F knows what she <laughs> She made Titan, Brie Larson, D- D- Denis Minochet, Rungano Nioni, Atik Rahimi. I, I, who, who the hell knows what they love? I think being asked, not that it'll ever happen, so I'm in the clear there, but being asked to be on the jury of a film festival would be a nightmare for me. Dion you would love it. Chevron and, and you'd Miriam do great at it. Tuzani. That's, yeah. Oh, my God. I don't know. I don't know how good I would be. This, uh, but here's what I do know. I would not be good at predicting what the hell 
that jury would select. Yeah. <laughs> what is Brie Larson feeling on this particular day? She's feeling that like little nobody's character arc was <laughs> stomped out <laughs> a shoulder wound too soon. Fleshed out perfectly for uh, for what that was. You can go f- check out our last episode for viewing Fast X. Uh, you can check out our next episode, which will be more can stuff. Because How many we might crossover be... listeners do you think we have <laughs> I was Fast say, X? We might be the only podcast in history to have that three-episode arc back to back to back. Uh, but that's what makes MMO MMO. Dear listener, as always, we want to hear from you. Uh, are you at Can? Did you, have you been keeping up with what's going on at Can? And if not, if you, this is where you get your Can information, what uh, has been most hype for you? What are you more interested in seeing now than you were previous to this episode? Let us know all that, as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns you have about anything else we do here in the MMO. Empire, as always, you can leave us those on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available wherever you hear podcasts. If you're listening to us on either the Apple Podcasts or Spotify apps, if you appreciate what we do here, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five star review, those help us out immensely. Thank you to everyone who has done so thus far. Uh, Michael, we've teased what's coming next. Let's also have some words of wisdom to end on. Yeah, we'll we'll also have reviews of past lives and across the Spider Verse coming up. The Little Mermaid, I think, we'll cover in some way, shape, or form mm-hmm. there, and uh, that'll be the next few Oscar race checkpoints. You said these wise words: six minutes of standing ovation is a triumph. Five <laughs> minutes of standing ovation is an abject failure. Yeah. Get out and of those, the industry. Those are wise words. I agree it's with not you. Not for you. You have failed. <laughs> you don't belong. <laughs> Guys, when reality sucks, you can come get a seven-minute standing ovation with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See ya. See ya.